morning. Hi, everybody. So um, today we're doing a one-day sit. It's no big deal. Everybody can do this, and we're already almost halfway through. Like I say, you know, always at the beginning of a day of sitting and even at the beginning of a particular practice moment uh, or a period of sitting, it's good to uh, take a little bit of an assessment, you know, to be honest with yourself, to get a sense of where you're at and what you want to do for the day. if you've come to think, fine. You know, if you if you let the mind do thinking, it will do thinking. <laughs> if you decide that you might want to come back and open yourself to what actually is there, to when the mind slips away, which for probably th- most of you it will, when it awakes, when it wakes up all by itself, at that, that is the only moment. That is the important moment. Do you remember your intention? And for those of you who have decided to be present for the day, at that moment, do you make an effort, a balanced, gentle effort, but strict, to bring the mind back? to whatever it is that you've decided your object of attention will be, whether it's your breath (coughs) with terrific posture, opening this up, letting yourself breathe, enjoying breathing, whether it's counting to 10 and coming back again, whether it's sound, whether it's sensation, whether you're doing a body sweep, whether you've decided to you know, pay, keep paying attention to your left toe. doesn't really matter. What matters is that moment. That moment of decision. Giving yourself the gift of your own life. Yes, for this moment, I will return to, my, to this life, no matter what it is, and be willing to be open, to be present to whatever is there. And for those of you who are new to this, to begin to develop certain skills of transformation. I used to hand out a book when I was a high school teacher called Wide Awake. And I still hand out that book, actually. (laughs) And I have to a number of you already. And if not the whole book, certainly a Xerox copy of chapter 8, which is the basic practice, which I'll just review again for a moment. When you make this decision to be who you are, committed fully, to who you are and not do mental games, uh, 
um, some of which is spiritual. But you're just simply going to be willing to be with whatever actually is there. So that willingness is the first uh, letter of in this in this chapter. It's a um, uh, what's the word? You know, you have letters that mean something else. Acronym. Acronym. Thank you. It's an acronym. Um, for the practice, the acronym is RAIN, R-A-I-N. It's pretty good. It's good enough. The R means simply be present. Be willing to make that effort, a balanced, gentle, but firm effort of returning, of being present. And the A is, in the book it says accept. I prefer the word acknowledge. Just note what's there. Whatever the content of the mind is in that moment. Whether it's joyous, whether it's sad, whether it's uh, happy or sad, basically. (laughs) You can notice what it is. Just notice what it is. You can name it if you want to. Now here's the really important part. The transformation of that energy takes place in the body. So the I stands for investigate sensations in the body. It's a body practice. Zen is a body practice. Well, body and mind are not different, so it's also a mind practice, but we're emphasizing right now the body. It's a body practice. If you don't open yourself to what actually is happening and notice, especially if it's a difficult thought, that there's contraction happening in the body. Lots of times around the solar plexus, if it's anger, it will be a contraction of the biceps often. If it's fear or pain, it'll, the throat, the lower throat area will just contract. You bring your attention to whatever is happening in the body and you wait patiently. It's a development of patience, one of the paramitas. We wait patiently until the body processes that energy, releases that energy. The body will do it. If you don't yammer about what's going on, the body cannot hold on to it. The body will relax and release that energy, it will open that contraction. When that happens, that event, that thought, that emotion is over. Let it be over. Say goodbye. And just simply come back to whatever your practice is, whether it's an openness of mind, whether it's focusing on an object, whether it's allowing the brightness of awareness to penetrate the dharmas, whether you're just following the rhythm of awareness, whether you're studying the skandhas, whether you're looking at resistance, whether you're noticing grasping, how much it's there, whether you're noticing the what it feels like when the self contracts and becomes a self. That is the self. <laughs> There's not a self contracting. 
The contraction is the self. Feel what that feels like, being a self, being separate. Just feel that. And then wait. And the body will release. And then you'll be the flow of life again. So, so know what you're doing. Have some sense of, of uh, being responsible for your own life at this moment, this day. Decide if you want to be open to your life. Whatever arises, be willing to be that so you can see it, so you can study clearly the self if that's what's there or a deeper, more fundamental possibility of life. We've been um, studying little stories of the ancestors and one of the story we, stories we studied was about Hueka and Bodhidharma, Bodhidharma being the first Zen ancestor in China, anyway. I think the first Zen ancestor is Buddha. And we studied one of those stories. But the first Zen ancestor in China is Bodhidharma, and his first main disciple is Hueka. And they had this uh, exchange. tell you this story first. Um, Should I tell you this story? Yeah, I should tell you this story. Okay. So I know someone um, in young, 27, who's an alcoholic and he has kind of grown up with the um, uh, a person sort of I guess nagging him in a way, <laughs> encouraging him to pay attention. Um, and usually when he's paid attention in the past, something changes and something kind of often good happens, if we can say that. And so um, after a long time of not wanting to pay attention, he's finally begun to pay attention to his alcoholism. And um, he was complaining to me the other day. And what he said was that he was really paying attention, paying attention. And um, what he was noticing was, was that um, he actually couldn't control the alcoholism. And what he was saying to me, the reason why he was complaining to me was because he was saying that paying attention wasn't working. And um, I 
I suggested that actually paying attention um, <coughs> was working, and what what he was seeing though was something that he that he didn't particularly like. He didn't like it that he realized that he couldn't control the drinking. But you know, it turns out, for those of you who um, know this kind of addictive uh, disease, it's a disease. You know, it's not like a lack of will. It's a disease. So um, you know that the first step of recovery is to is to be clearly aware <coughs> that you have no control over it. So um, he just needed a little bit change of attitude. And for us, is the reason I'm telling you the story is because for us it's the same thing. We're not paying attention in order to make ourselves better or to gain some kind of, uh, you know, bliss state that will continue forever. It doesn't happen. We're paying attention to wake up in the life that we have. So, um, the story of Weka is, so um, he, com he comes to Bodhidharma, his master, and he says, I have already ended all involvements. In other words, Weka's initial um, <coughs> teaching for him, or um, pre prescription, or suggestion, or pointer, or uh, teaching was to have no involvements, no coughing in the mind. Don't, don't add anything to what is arising and passing away. Don't have any involvements with perception. So, um, but Awake comes back to me and says, I have ended all involvements. I have no coughing in the mind. And Bodhidharma says, doesn't that turn into nihilism? And Awake says, no, it does not. And Bodhidharma says, prove it. And Awake says, he says, I am always clearly aware and words cannot reach it. And Bodhidharma says, this is the essence of mind which all Buddhas realize. Doubt no more. And, and Dogen says, this is an important uh, sentence, pointer, that Dogen says. He says, make effort, but effort without desire. have a goal in life, but no attachment. Usually when we, when we are growing up and when we are living and so on and so forth, everyone is telling us, our society is telling us all the time that we have to be something, we have to do something, we have to have something, children, relationship, money, uh, a house. You have to be worth something. We're getting that message all the time. 
But Zen very much is pointing in a very different direction. I was um, speaking with somebody this morning and they asked me a wonderful question. In fact, it was my question in um, 1971 when I was uh, having uh, Doksan with um, Suzuki Roshi. I asked exactly the same question. And so it threw me, um, for a moment I didn't say anything because it really threw me into the past for a moment. And I remembered how Suzuki Roshi uh, responded to that same question, and I almost did that, but by the time <laughs> by the time those thoughts had come by, what I would have done would have been so not spontaneous <laughs> that it wouldn't be, have been the same thing. But what the question was was um, what basically what does bowing mean? Well, why do we bow? What is bowing about? What Suzuki Roshi did immediately, I think I've told you this before, was that he got up and he, and he, he um, stood by me and he just started bowing. Just bowing. And I, uh, that stayed with me a really long time became a koan for me for a very long time. What, what does it mean, bowing? Bowing. But today I said, because uh, I understand in some way, for me anyway, my understanding is that um, is, is, is about not needing anymore to have a purpose in life. We don't have to do life. We are life. Bowing is an expression because we have to do something. We have to cook. We eat. We go to the bathroom. We walk down the street. We bow as an expression of life, a full commitment to just being life, just doing an activity. A tree doesn't have to do leaves, <laughs> you know. The truth of our existence is being taught, is being shown to us all the time. Whether it's recycled cardboard in a plastic bag, which teaches me every time I see it. The other day I was walking with somebody down the street and right in front of us there was a rat and a baby rat. I whipped out my camera because I'm trying to take pictures of all the wildlife in New York. <laughs> but I was too slow, so I missed it. The Zen way, the Soto Zen way, is very simple. It's very simple, but it's so difficult. The purpose of life is just to live it. 
We don't have to manufacture meaning. It's already has everything it needs. So um, when Dogen Zenji says, drop body and mind, he just means drop body and mind over and over on each moment, completely 100%. You know, I did this experiment this morning with um, not wearing the Japanese robes, because fun experiment, but um, everything I need is in the sleeve. <laughs> <laughs> The other oven, this one doesn't have a sleeve. And it was really interesting to watch myself put this on, the okesa on. And Japanese robes have these big sleeves, you know. And, and um, I've put it on so much that I put it on and I took my arm out and then I went like this <laughs> to get the sleeve out of the way. There's no sleeve there to get out of it. But I did this anyway. It's kind of neat. Anyway. This, this is our zazen, and this is our life. Complete commitment to whatever the activity of the moment is. Alert, kind, willing to be what we are. It's often said that zazen is useless. <laughs> it is and it isn't, you know. It isn't. It isn't. And it is. And if we can do something wholeheartedly, with complete commitment, without needing it to give us anything, to be completely satisfied with just this moment. This is the spirit of Zen. There's a poem in the um, Tenzo Kyokan, some of us who want to practice the position of Tenzo, which is a teaching position in the Zen monastery, traditionally. There's a poem in it that I've, that I've loved for ever since I heard it, actually, by Jue Du. And um, very much says what I've been talking about. One by the way, there are, um, each of these things has for the, the um, uh, you know, people in the 13th century, Zen people, have other meanings, like moon means enlightenment and so on. Um, so you can look at, you can look up this poem and read it that way, but I'm not going to, mm. just going to read the poem. Because I think 
it'll have resonant with you anyway. One, seven, three, five. The truth you search for cannot be grasped. As night advances, a bright moon illuminates the whole ocean. The dragon's jewels are found in every wave. Looking for the moon, it is here, in this wave, in the next. One, seven, three, five. The truth you search for cannot be grasped. As night advances, a bright moon illuminates the whole ocean. The dragon's jewels are found in every wave. Looking for the moon, it is here, in this wave, in the next. So, we do spiritual practice. You know, spiritual practice is a daily event in which we engage in activities for their own sake. So you're going to sit all day today for no reason, <laughs> just to sit. And if we do that long enough, something happens slowly over time. Something deepens. If you're really committed to returning, something deepens. And out of that depth, activities that come out of that depth touch people. It's where kindness comes from. It's a sense of doing our practice for the benefit of all being, not for ourself anymore. be willing to sit in the midst of our own ancient twisted karma without moving, <coughs> just being life the way it is for us in this moment, however it's come to be. That willingness is actually unconditioned love for ourselves first and then for everyone. That simple act with no purpose, just being life. That's the, that's the essence of our practice. That's our zazen. So let's sit, sit, we need to sit. And then we do activity for its own sake.
together. It's easier together. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the Brooklyn Zen Center. Our programs are given free of charge and made possible by the donations we receive. For more information on supporting Brooklyn Zen Center, please visit the giving section of brooklynzen.org.